Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is Corey Willis with PBI, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of BD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. We want to encourage you guys, if you listen on iTunes or iHeartRadio, Spotify, any of the podcast apps, we encourage you guys to follow our YouTube channel. Just search the Diesel Podcast, you'll find us right there. And there's a lot of extra content that gets onto the channel, whether it's an install video or something that's very visual that we couldn't put on the podcast, we'll post them there. And also the comment section is really engaging. If you know we're talking about a particular product or a topic, there's a lot of our listeners that will engage there. So if you want to ask questions or maybe hear other people's opinions on what we're discussing, it's a great place to be able to find that information. Today we're going to be chatting with Gary. He's the owner of Diesel Pros. He has a diesel shop in Montana. And we're going to be chatting with him about his personal vehicle. It's the ultimate tow rig, off-road rig that he's built. It's an Aluma Duty. And we're going to be going through a lot of the truck as far as how he set it up to do what he wanted to do. So he wanted something that was capable off-road, something he could tow a trailer with, and something that had the maximum maximum efficiency that he could get out of the truck to make it reliable, to make it perform the way he wanted, how he uses that truck. So we're going to go through tires and gearing and other things on his setup and the kind of feedback that he's gotten from the truck and what he's noticed with temperatures and whether that's transmission temps or EGTs, all those things. And also, it was about three years ago or so that the 2.8 liter Cummins crate engine came out. And we have not forgotten about a lot of the questions that you guys had for us way back then. And Gary is very familiar with the 2.8 liter and they, they do swaps there um, at his shop. And we're gonna ask him, how, how do they fit into a Jeep? Is it something that is very straightforward? How does it integrate with the electrical and other systems on the, the truck? How does, how does the transmission work? How, how viable is it? as an engine to swap into the platform and we're going to just ask him on his general you know general kind of feelings about it because there's a lot of interest it's something that is so cool that cummins did to be able to put that together put it in a crate ship it out to you and have it be able to fulfill a specific uh, purpose be a brand new engine and something that you could use in a cheap application all right, let's get to the podcast with Gary and chatting about his ultimate tow rig off-road rig and some 2.8 liter Cummins talk. Gary, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. We we are really excited to, to chat with you today. I, I've known you for quite a while in the diesel industry and, and I'm familiar with your shop and the cool stuff you guys do. And I was chatting with the guys over at Nitro Gear and, and they're like, you got to talk to Gary about his shop truck. Like it's a really cool setup. And so looking forward to talking about power strokes and swaps and diesel stuff with you today we're glad to have you on hey glad to be here patrick thanks for uh, uh allowing me to do this let's talk about that stuff well, for any of our listeners that aren't familiar with diesel pros if you could tell us a bit about your shop where you're located 
um, you know, how you got started in it and, and what you guys specialize in, what, what your bread and butter is there on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, yeah, you bet. So uh, there's probably lots of listeners that don't know about us. Um, we're, you know, we're in Montana. And uh, Belgrade, Montana, to be exact, not a ton of people here. We've been uh, in business since 2010. We're actually celebrating our uh, 10-year anniversary this week. Um, you know, we're, we started off as a diesel repair facility. Uh, the diesel industry, as most folks listening to this podcast know, is uh, kind of burgeoning uh, through the late 2000s. And um, there was a big void here in town uh, as far as competent repair was concerned. And, you know, I spent my time uh, in the Marine Corps early 2000s uh, as, a, as a diesel guy. You know, I, I, I fixed Humvees and I fixed five tons and seven tons. And uh, I got out, went to college here at MSU, and uh, decided I didn't want to do law enforcement. So I just continued on doing the, the diesel thing. I was a, a diesel technician through college. Um, gosh, 2010, it came around, and I decided I really liked this light-duty diesel thing, and, and I was working on, you know, Class 8 stuff, heavy-duty. And so I decided to give that a go, built a good business plan, and off we went. Um, and it's, it's been uh, cruising, uh, rock and rolling ever since. This town we live in uh, is a great place to do business. Uh, we specialize in light-duty diesel repair. Um, as is the case with a lot of repair facilities around this country, mixing in some performance in there it just kind of goes hand-in-hand. Hand. You know, the aftermarket is really good at uh, coming up with solutions to failures provided by the OEMs. And so... Uh, it's just a good scenario for anybody that's kind of in this industry and has a good idea, or excuse me, I should say a good head on their shoulders and understands how to effectively utilize the aftermarket's offerings. And that's kind of the, the history of, of what we've been doing. Uh, you know, 2015, we uh, built a 8,000 square foot facility out in Belgrade, moved out of Bozeman proper um, about 10 miles away. And uh, we've been in this facility uh, rock and rolling ever since. There's a lot of, when I think of Montana, there's a lot of things I, I think of, like hunting and fishing and just beautiful scenery, but then also diesel trucks and and a lot of, seems like a lot of people, you know, that are there, they have some really cool builds and then, you know, pe- people that are traveling, you know, through whether they're going between North Dakota and Wyoming or, you know, Idaho or, or, di- or just different spots. There's just trucks I can think of over the years that have had a lot done to them and you know even listeners that we have they'll message in they'll say hey i'm in montana i need to have you know this this work done um have you guys done an episode with a shop that's there or any places that you guys know and so it's really cool to be able to to chat with you because i know there's a large there's large diesel following in the rocky mountain region in general but then also you know they're in montana well, I will tell you that I, the more the more um, owners of these, this type of facility that I talk to, it seems like each part of the country has its own niche, right? And uh, Montana, really, when it comes down to it, doesn't have the, the culture uh, of the street scene that you're going to see in, uh, say, South Cal or a lot of places in Texas or out on the East Coast. Um, as you might imagine, we deal with a lot of agricultural uh, culture out here. And not to say that the, the street scene isn't, I'll say, relevant, uh, but it's just you're not going to see the kind of builds uh, that you'll see in other parts of the country. Um, like chrome wheels, uh, not something we're going to see a lot, right? Uh, it's, 
it's salty and nasty in the wintertime. We have a lot of winter up here. So uh, you just, we build things a little bit differently up here. Um, excuse me, there's more, there's more utility, I think, uh, that goes into a lot of our builds. Folks are, are installing these parts because there's a, an actual use for that part. You know what I mean? Yeah, I noticed that when I saw your your shop truck and it the thing that I noticed about it was how much utility was there and I wanted to ask you about more you know information on it because it seems like you built it and put that together to serve very specific purposes. Oh yeah. Well, if you're interested, I'll tell you a little bit about that uh, truck and and why we chose what we chose. Um, you know, 2016, I had a, a 2015 uh, Platinum Ford F350, and we had done a couple of things to it. But, uh, you know, the I, I really started to dive into hunting a little bit more hardcore uh, back in 2015, 2016. And the thing I always noticed uh, with that previous pickup is, um, look, they're long, right? I'm, I'm going to own a, a long bed just because I, I work with these trucks. But they're long. Breakover angle's not very good. Uh, the approach angle of that truck, it was only sitting on a 34-inch tire. Uh, there was just some things that it was lacking. And uh, height and traction was were the two primary things that it was lacking. Um, so 2017 came around. That new body style, Illumidum, came out. And I just had to have one, right? Um, <laughs> so I bought it. And, and from day one, it I, I knew exactly what I was going to be doing with this truck and how I wanted to make that process easier. Uh, we spend a lot of time off-road as a family. Uh, we're big into the Jeep thing, uh, but I don't limit it to just the Jeep. If I want to get somewhere in the pickup uh, come hunting season, guess what? Uh, I don't want to be limited by the ground clearance that truck has. Um, I knew I knew I wanted a 38-inch tall tire on it. Uh, and how do you get there? Right. And, yeah. and part of today we're going to talk about is, is what is building that kind of a truck look like when it's built right. Um, so we went with a good quality suspension system on it. Uh, we did a six inch lift. Uh, there are folks running a 38 inch tire on three and a half, four inches worth of lift, but that takes a lot of trimming and cutting to get there. Right. Um, and we wanted to be able to utilize that tire to its full extent, utilize the suspension to its full extent, be able to articulate, uh, on some of these obstacles, and you need clearance for that. Um, and these sports love being lifted. So we went with a six-inch lift, and immediately I started looking around for gear ratios, available gear ratios. And it didn't even dawn on me uh, to see what was actually available for that new axle. They call that the M275 and the single rear wheel uh, diesel pickups. Um, there was none out there. Like I couldn't find a gear ratio, you know, and I, you know, me, I, I like gearing my trucks to the tire size that I have. Um, and so we had to wait a long time. I think almost three years before we had uh, a gear available, a gear ratio available that was going to work for me. Um, we had that truck came with three thirty ones, and I, I was okay ordering it with that because I knew I was going to be gearing that truck. Uh, but the Fords come with a 331 or a 355 gear ratio from the factory. And neither of those, in my opinion, are going to work well with a, a 37 or a 38-inch tall tire. Um, 
we can get into the specifics on why here in a bit. But, you know, I just, in the grand scheme of things, I wanted to be able to utilize that truck off-road. I didn't want it to break. I wanted to make sure that we had uh, a lot of traction, which meant a large sidewall, right? So we went with an 18-inch wheel and a 38-inch tall tire. And air those tires down to 15 PSI when you're off-road. And, and, boy, the traction and ride quality just go through the roof. I think that goes back to what we were chatting about with the purpose-built utility and how you mentioned <clears throat> different areas of the country have a different kind of scene. And I think, you know, being here in Colorado and any venture into the mountains, I see that the diesel trucks are set up different oh, yeah. than they are, you know, in the city or in some of these other areas. And gearing is one of those things that for a long time, it was almost like an afterthought in our whole modification list. You know, it was like, well, I, I might get around to them, but I could put that money towards a turbo or towards a different CP3 or something like that. But I also think too, as the gear ratios have changed, especially on the newer trucks and how their the OEMs are making them work with the emission systems and all that's on there. It's like, once you go to a bigger tire, it it's immediately yeah. clear something has to be done with the ratios. Yeah. And it, it is, it's still, uh, a forethought. I mean, people tend to look past gear ratio swaps because of the capability that these engines have, right? Yeah. Uh, you take a, uh, we'll say it, we'll take a 2024, for instance. Um, what's the thing you have? Like 1,050 pounds foot of torque, uh, 475 horse or something. It's crazy. Uh, people, I think a lot of customers, um, things come down to budget. And we totally understand that. we got to be sensitive to that when we're building these trucks. But the fact is, is uh, you, you know, things are changed in the diesel world uh, as of late, as say the last couple of years when it comes to emissions and emissions removal. Um, it's just not something that we do, not something we're going to do. And to be honest with you, if your truck is built properly, you don't have to. Um, we, we, we don't look at, I say we as in, as in most consumers, we don't look at gear ratios as the end-all, be-all. But I think once you start looking into the technical side of how the vehicle as a whole works, I think you start to understand the benefit of having a proper gear ratio for the tire you have. Uh, if you take a, um, say, a 2024 again um, and go to the Dually world, right, the only way, and, and this is the Ram world as well, uh, the only way you're going to get the heaviest tow package is with a, a taller gear or a shorter gear, however you want to put it, uh, 410 gear ratio. Uh, you know, they go from a, a 355, 373, and then you step up to the heaviest tow package, and you're going to have a 410. Why is that, right? Uh, the Ford engineers know, I think all the vehicle engineers know, that the only way you can do that is by adding more mechanical advantage in your differentials, right? And that's what a gear ratio does for you. Um, it makes that engine run under a lower average engine load. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't have any scientific data to back that up, but I, I think most folks understand what I'm talking about that's listening to this, this cast, right? Yeah. Uh, we want the differentials to do more of the work. And so we take a vehicle that's designed uh, to, say, tow 35,000 pounds uh, from the factory with, say, a 32-inch tall tire, and then we decide, oh, man, I really want a 34. I really want a 35-inch tall tire on this thing. Well, we're increasing that tire height by a certain percentage. And in my opinion, 
you know, as, as a guy that pays attention to this stuff, in my opinion, you should increase your gear ratio by at least as much, right? right. You, take, you take that same truck, put a 20,000-pound trailer behind it, and with a 35-inch tall tire, you're going to notice a higher average engine load than you will with the 32. That's because the mechanical advantage of that differential is gone because we've increased the overall diameter of the tire. I think as well, you know, in in the process of putting a truck together, we haven't got to the rest of your truck, but like sure. with with some of those other products you'd mentioned, you know, you don't have to go the route that things were done in the past with emissions removal and all that kind of stuff and how the aftermarket has come to accommodate it with uh, turbo kits and, I mean, even tuning and other hard parts is how gearing can and does work within that as well so it, it, i think what's so cool about it to me is it's something i can run on a bone stock truck with bigger tires and a different wheel and tire setup but i can also run it if i go to a compound turbo setup with you know dual injection pumps and and you know something else i'm still getting that benefit versus and i know this firsthand of like leaving my gear stock and doing a turbo change and you know doing other things it's like that that power, that torque, that capability, it's only coming on at a certain RPM at a certain time under a certain condition versus in the driveline, you know, in the axles, it's something that's always there. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a happy spot for these engines to run at, right? Uh, we, we look at the available torque. We look at a, a say a torque graph on uh, say a new Chevy Ford Dodge. They're all about the same. Uh, you're going to find peak torque at that 16, 1700 RPM range traditionally, right? Um, the problem with with the diesel engine, and really one of the only problems, is how much heat it makes at that RPM and how much soot the diesel engine tends to make at that RPM. Um, just to be, just to put into layman's terms here, as we all kind of know or maybe have heard, engines are are air pumps, right? And we we got air in, air out. And you're going to have a certain CFM of air going in at 1,600 RPMs versus 1,900 RPMs. And in the diesel world, 300 RPMs makes a difference. And take your DPF filter, for instance, right? Um, that thing regenerates itself, right? It, it cleans itself. Um, but it uses that available air out of that engine to be able to do that effectively, right? Uh, <clears throat> With, with improper RPM, you don't have enough air to clean that DPF filter out effectively. So your regen cycles take longer, right? You're building more heat for too long. You're, you're soot loading your oil. Uh, you, you're fuel loading your oil because uh, not all that fuel makes it out the tailpipe, as we know. Um, some of that gets down in the crankcase. Um, there are just a myriad of reasons to consider doing proper gear ratio. And, and if, as owners, no matter what tire size you have, if you can keep that engine around that 2,000 RPM range, that seems to be the, the magic spot for making the emission system work, keeping the engine load, the turbo in the, in the correct map, et cetera, et cetera. There's just so many things that come along, so many benefits come along with uh, proper RPM at the given cruising speed. Now, on the, the engine side of this truck, have you kept that relatively stock, or have you done... You bet. And so, and I think that's what a lot of truck owners do is sure. you know it's it's maybe got a tune but it's 
they want that capability and it, it's been really enlightening over in the last year or two of just being able to chat about gearing as it pertains to diesels because you know if in the jeep world and in the the off-road world in general it's a given people are very knowledgeable about it it's like part of the list when when they're looking at upgrading their their jeep or tacoma or you know whatever it might be and it's really cool to see that information and that benefit start to get into the three-quarter and the one-ton trucks yeah in the applications that you know you're talking about which is I want this to tow better. I, you know, I might take it off road a little bit, go someplace, and I just want to keep this truck operating in a in its you know kind of sweet spot. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You bet. Yeah. And I mean, you know the deal. For years and years, uh, folks were attempting to fix a certain symptom of the drivability of their pickup truck uh, with the addition of turbochargers, larger injectors, uh, different injectors, all that stuff, right? And typically, I think most owners uh, and most people that spend some time on the forums are going to see uh, that same complaint. You know, man, my EGTs are just crazy when I'm towing a trailer. Uh, well, well, what, uh, you know, some folks, they just go right to the, well, you need uh, an extra turbo or you need a different turbo to help control that heat when they're not looking at it mechanically or technically in, in the fact that I, I personally feel, and I can, I can attest to this from personal experience that, uh, the best thing you can do for EGTs is to get some more RPM in that truck, uh, make more mechanical advantage in those differentials, uh, and, and Pat, if you're willing, I, I can sit and talk about uh, my truck and kind of how uh, things have changed after I was finally able to get a gear ratio in that okay. truck. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, I want to know more about it. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, so again, 38 inch tires, F350, think came with 331 gear ratio. Um, a 331 gear ratio with a 37 inch tire at 75 miles an hour is about 1600 RPMs. Okay, I think most folks know, especially I would say with the V8 diesel crowd, right, Duramax, Powerstroke, um, that these engines don't exactly operate to their fullest extent at 1,600 RPMs, right? They can be laggy, uh, especially under a load. If you get down to that 1,600 RPMs, you're looking for another gear pretty quickly, uh, especially if you're going to hit any kind of a hill. Um, at 1,500 RPMs, these trucks don't tend to control the EGTs, right? Um, anybody that's been a diesel pickup for long enough will tell you that, uh, say you're in sixth gear, you're running 1,300 degrees, you bump down into fifth gear, you give that transmission more mechanical advantage, right, reducing the load on the engine, all of a sudden your, your EGTs go down. It's a magical thing, right? Uh, your, your overall fuel pressure goes down, overall boost numbers go down, um, and all that stuff to me relates to or uh, means reliability, right? It, it means lower uh, average load on every one of those components. So 
I took my truck, and I always knew that I wanted a 430 gear ratio. Um, I wasn't going to go underneath 37-inch tall tires, which is what my truck is running currently. Um, but with that 430 gear ratio, uh, I would take, just say, driving empty down the road at 1,600 RPM. And if folks will pay attention to the YouTube channel, I've actually got a video that talks about this uh, coming out here pretty soon. Um, and, man, I had all kinds of boost, right? Uh, I'd be running 12, 13 pounds of boost. I'd be running 900 to 1,000 degrees EGTs on flat ground uh, at 75 miles an hour. And I always knew that it was going to be better, but I didn't really realize how much better it was going to be. So finally, Nitro Gear and Axle came out with a 430 gear ratio. Fit my truck, I snatched the set immediately. And we installed them. Um, folks, the difference that just the gear ratio made in that truck, and I monitor EGTs, I monitor boost, all that stuff, uh, is 100% worth every penny that I paid to get those gears installed in my truck. Um, my overall boost under cruising or, or cruising speeds, same tire, same truck, uh, reduced dramatically, right? Now I'm running five or six pounds of boost. I'm running higher RPMs at 75 miles an hour. I'm actually about 2,100 RPMs. Uh, but I am running less boost. I'm running a lot less EGTs by probably 200 degrees on average. Uh, engine load, if you pay attention to it, then it's, uh, you know, 10% uh, reduction. It was pretty crazy, the results that I got after I put that 430 gear ratio in there. That's a big difference. That's a huge difference. Uh, towing a trailer is just absolutely incredible. The transmission uh, shifts a lot better. And with the 17 and up trucks, we all know, or or you haven't found out yet, you will, that uh, there are some issues with the 17 and up, you know, 6R. And I, all of a sudden, all those problems went away with just a, a, a ring and pinion swap. And I think, you know, just looking back on it, I think it's just because, uh, that average engine load is back in its sweet spot. The turbo, the fuel system, everything talks together uh, to figure out where to shift, how to shift. I think now that things are jiving, all of a sudden that transmission is just clicking through gears like crazy. No more flare shifts, no more soft shifts, none of that. It's uh, uh, There were some huge benefits to it, man. Uh, towing a trailer is much, much nicer with a set of 37-inch tires and the gear ratio that I've got in that truck. I can't even explain it. Well, the capability is what's really interesting as well because you, know, you have that cruising speed with a trailer on the highway, but then also the off-roading or the lower speed stuff that you're doing as well also takes advantage of that, that benefit. Uh, 100%. Um, what it comes down to the diesel trucks, right, is, uh, in my opinion, uh, fluid temperatures. Okay, especially, you know, when I first built that truck, I, I threw my uh, slide-in camper in the back and I threw a, a small enclosed trailer on the back, and I started heading up into the gravelies um, to do a hunt, right? Well, you're doing 25, 30 miles an hour climbing these hills, torque converters unlocked, and all of a sudden I look down and I see a transmission hot message, okay? Uh, the 17 and up board has got some issues with transmission temperature. There are folks out there building aftermarket, uh, well, auxiliary transmission coolers, uh, that, that really consider that to be the big fix. Um, when you're able to get into third gear and fourth gear at 
say, 30 to 40 miles an hour, whereas you weren't before, your torque converter will lock. And you notice a reduction in transmission temperature, engine oil temperature, and engine coolant temperature in those situations, okay? And it's because we've got things back to where the factory kind of designed them to work. Um, driving on the interstate, uh, you know, before, say, I had a 15,000-pound trailer, I got the gooseneck, and I throw a Jeep or two on it, uh, heading down to Moab or wherever we're going to go wheeling. Um, but it, I'm talking like 240, 245-degree transmission temperatures. And for anybody that are out transmissions, that number's a no-no. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now, do you do you think you could find out what fork deems necessary? I mean, you go browse online, right? Uh, you talk to Ford; they're not going to say anything. But it, it sounds sounds to me like uh, most folks that have these, you know, seventeen and up Fords, have got similar situations, right? They got oil temperatures in the two forty. Um, they got coolant temperatures into the two thirties. They got uh, transmission temperatures into the 240s, high 230 to 245. Why is that? And I, I get the feeling that we're going to find a, a common denominator here is probably a leveling kit and probably a 35 install tire. You know, obviously they're, they're going to have a 331 or 355 year ratio uh, for the most part. And I noticed a dramatic reduction in transmission temp, engine coolant temp. Um, since I put the gears in, uh, again, I, I towed a one-ton truck, oh, the two-and-a-half-hour trip and uh, stuff, middle of summer, hot. Uh, I never got over 220 on my engine oil temperature. I never got above 210 on my transmission temperature. The only thing I changed was the gear ratio. That's impressive to <clears throat> to be able to get those improvements out of a ring and pinion that we do get questions or I'll see them on YouTube as, as well with, Hey, I've got a 2017, 2018. How do I drop the transmission temperatures are getting hot or just different things that you mentioned there. And it's very interesting to hear how it all ties together. Well, I think if, if nobody takes anything but this out of this uh, podcast here, I will say these two words. Okay. Mechanical advantage. <laughs> it's a big deal. And you got to be thinking about that when you're building these trucks. Now to link what we were just chatting about with your Super Duty and then also off-road yeah, is I had heard about you guys doing some swaps and I wanted to ask you about them because it's, it's a topic. Like if, if we even touch on you know swapping a Cummins into a Jeep or into something else, there's tons of questions people have. And I wanted to ask you what are some common ones common swaps that, that you guys get asked about, you can do, what do you guys specialize in? Yeah, so when it comes to the, the swap side of the house, we have a sister company called CT Conversion, and that's kind of what we specialize on that side of the house. You know, Patrick, we I, I throw 700 horsepower Hemi engines at these Jeeps, right? Big horsepower, they're really expensive, um, they're, they're just, they're totally glamorous. They run good. They just are complete monsters, right? Yeah. But of, of the, of the vast majority of inquiries that I get from VP conversions, it's folks talking about putting a diesel engine in their Jeep. <laughs> I think there's something I will say mysterious about 
the idea of having a diesel engine just because other than, you know, just for a couple of years, people really never put a diesel engine in their, in their vehicles, right? Uh, obviously now with the JL platform, the JT platform, uh, we can get that DM Autori 3.0 uh, diesel in these vehicles. And they work pretty good, uh, but uh, look, it's, it's a new Tier 5, might be Tier 6, I'm not sure, uh, emission standard uh, on these Jeeps. And guess what uh, diesel engines don't like to do? They don't like to go slow. Right? They don't like to idle around. And that's exactly what we do with these Jeeps for the most part. So that's why I really never had a chance to dive in to, uh, you know, swapping diesel engines into anything because other than the 4BT for so many years, we really ne never had anything that was a viable diesel engine option. And even the 4BT, um, God bless it, it's a freaking bus motor. And it doesn't belong in a short wheelbase Jeep or Bronco, okay? Um, fast forward some years, all of a sudden Cummins decides, well, let's, let's put a crate engine package together, right? Let's, let's call it the Cummins R2.8, right? A uh, little four-cylinder, common rail, turbocharged diesel, crate engine package. The thing is super sweet. Uh, it builds about 310 foot-pounds of torque uh, with the factory tuning. It weighs about 500 pounds, so it weighs uh, about the same as the gas engine, uh, you know, the four-liter inline six, right? All of a sudden, my my eyes and ears are perking up a little bit. I'm thinking, man, this is this is super viable. So I figured the first thing I was going to do was take one of those engines and and stuff it into a GTJ because that's really their intended platform, 98 and older. Uh, well, lo and behold, first thing I did was take a Land Rover Defender. Uh, we had a guy come in and uh, had a couple of Defenders and wanted a, a, a diesel engine. Wanted a motor swap. We breezed over the Cummins idea. Of course, his ears and I perk up. Ooh, diesel. Uh, let's do that. So anyway, we did, and the thing works really well. Um, shortly after that, uh, I did my first TJ Wrangler, right? It was a 1997 Jeep TJ. Uh, just a sport model, nothing crazy. It had a four-cylinder in it. And we swapped that Cummins R2.8 into it. Uh, we put a, a Jeep NV3550 transmission behind it. Uh, went through, rebuilt the transfer case, flipped the oak eliminator, all the good stuff that we typically do to the TJs. Threw a set of uh, JK spec Dana 44 axles under it, lockers, uh, the right gear ratio, and we were off and running. Things super Patrick. Um, we did that for a customer out of Wyoming. And, man, the guy's been tickled to pieces with it. The guy's blasting, you know, low to mid-20s uh, on a set of 35-inch tall tires for MPD. Um, like, that's the reason I think folks really want a diesel engine. These engines come from Cummins with a catalytic converter and an EGR valve, and that's it. There's no DPF, no need for DEF. Uh, and they're lightweight enough where we consider them a very viable engine option. I remember seeing them when when they came out <clears throat> in the response and the inquiries of people asking, hey, you know, how do how does this how will this work in, in this project vehicle I have? And and you're the first person we've chatted with about it. So there's there's a couple questions that I'm just remembering people have asked over the years that that I'm gonna 
ask you since you're really familiar with these is as far as you know when you order when you get this this engine is integrating it into the vehicle fairly straightforward is that part easy or is it kind of like you know with the the thumb and swaps way back when that you know there might be one one gauge that doesn't read or this might not work or you know how does that all all work within itself doing the 2.8 swap well as far as integrating you're going to need one of two things, either a lot of technical and fabrication ability or a lot of money. Okay. Uh, the fact of the matter is as aftermarket folks do, they tend to provide solutions to problems, right? And integrating that two way into various vehicle systems was a problem. Um, dirt every day, you know, dirt hit Dave and those guys, they put one into a, a, a GPJ drove that thing underwater, been a pretty, successful YouTube video for them. Um, but it's, you know, as they do, it's just kind of a hack and tap kind of installation, right? We always knew that there was room for installation kits, right? So I've, I've been working with a company called Axis USA. Uh, they're out of Indiana. And these guys are brainchilds, right? Uh, so they like the Jeep platform and they like the Defender platform. When you get these engines, you know, they come with an ECM, they come with a throttle pedal, wiring harness. Uh, obviously, everything from top to bottom is complete and has been ran on dyno once at Cummins. Um, figuring out the right way to mount the ECM, where to mount it. Uh, they've got a remote oil filter assembly, where to mount it. you got to build brackets for that. Uh, it's a turbocharged unit that needs a charge air cooler. Well, what are you going to use for a charge air cooler? Right? What are you going to use for a cooling fan? Like all of, all of these questions start coming to mind, and, and anybody that swapped in any kind of an engine has had to has had to deal with those those answers, right? And so what happens is is it takes you a long time because you got to just build everything from scratch. And to be honest with you, my the first Defender we did it was built from scratch. Um, we sourced everything, built every bracket. Uh, <laughs> and made everything work really well. And then Axis USA finally got their Defender installation package out, and it is absolutely beautiful. Everything integrates in. They've got brackets for all this stuff. And then, you know, what that means for me as the installer and for other folks as installers is that that installation goes a little bit smoother than it used to. Um, integrating that Cummins software into the Jeep Wrangler platform, it ain't happening, okay? Uh, the best thing that you can do, so with the Jeep platforms, I would say that the best thing to do is get an aftermarket instrument cluster that can take multiple inputs uh, and have them programmed into read properly, okay? Uh, it, you, just, you just can't make it work. Now, the engines do come with what they call a Murphy gauge, and that'll give you some readouts, oil pressure, engine glint temperature, RPM, and I think that's it. There might be one more pit in there that, that they monitor. But um, if you wanted to read on your dash, that's kind of up to you. Um, companies like uh, Speed Hut, they make a pretty cool instrument cluster. Well, not really an instrument cluster, but gauge options, I'll say, for the defenders. If anybody's looking at putting one in the defender, they should check that company out. Um, there's a lot to think about when it comes to swapping these these engines, but but Patrick, seriously, the this has been the best option that 
the diesel communities had for for an engine crate engine package to put into any of these smaller vehicles. The thing works really well. That's what's that's what's so cool about it, and it's it's awesome to chat with you and learn more about how in the real world they actually go in because it's such a there's a market for it and you know before like you said it was taking a 4vt and making it work into whatever it was going into and actually have cummins put together this engine just the way that they do it and then the aftermarket comes in and says hey okay in this platform we're going to have this so it's a you know simple swap or we get this gauge cluster and we can make it all work it's it's light years beyond what it it is 100%. yeah you got a lot more technology packed into this and you know believe it or not integrating the electronics portion uh, isn't the toughest part um, and it works really well uh, some limitations you know I get a lot of folks calling me about putting that engine into the JK or the JL platform which uh, from 2007 obviously they had the, the JK two-door and four-door um, the problem with that engine is its torque output right if you're going to go and you're going to put something with 310 pound-feet of torque at the at the crank, put it behind a five-speed, and expect it to wow you, you're you're in for sorely disappointment. Disappointment. Um, it, it's just one of those things where number one, it's not legal, right, to put them into anything newer than 99, and they're just too heavy. They're just too big. You, you know, these guys, we, we get uh, out there, there's all kinds of LS swaps and Hemi swaps and all that stuff to really, uh, are really a better fit for the JK crowd. Now, a two-door JK, okay, if if the legality issues are aside from the point it's an off-road rig, you could get away with a, a two-door JK and, and the weight that that thing carries around. Um, Axis has got an eight-speed. They're putting 8HP 75 or 70, I can't remember which, but behind that engine, and all of a sudden, you've got something that's very drivable because having eight speeds in a transmission is able to keep that engine in, in the proper gear range or excuse me, the proper RPM range more often. And that's a, that's a good thing, but holy cow, those swaps get expensive when you start talking about throwing an eight speed auto behind that diesel. <laughs> well, it's just great to have options out there and to see an OEM produce it. And who knows what they're going to do in the future where, you know, it may be maybe something that, that yeah. uh, you know, they keep up with where you can do it in something newer than a 97. And it's just, it's, it's cool to have those options out there. And especially you know, for a vehicle you're either, you know, really personally attached to, or it serves, you know, a, a purpose or a need that you have to be able to have different engine choices besides the hammy swap or the LS swap or something like that is really cool. And, yeah, once I had heard that that you guys have been doing that stuff, I'm like, cool. I'm gonna ask Gary. I'm gonna ask Gary about the 2.8. <laughs> hey, uh, two thumbs up on the 2.8 for me. If you got a vehicle that's uh, that you really would like to see a diesel engine in, and is of a smaller profile, I think that 2.8 is hands down a, a phenomenal option. And you know, I we really were thinking that Cummins was gonna come out with that 5.0 yeah. V8 diesel as their next crate engine. Uh, they didn't have real real big success from the Nissan uh, Nissan Titan uh, platform. And they have a bunch of engines built for those things. So we really we really kind of thought that we were going to start seeing the 5.0 come out. And, and who knows, maybe they're coming out or going through the EPA testing currently. Uh, but that's been a pretty successful um, 
endeavor for Cummins. Uh, they've gone through several price reductions, which was important. Um, I think right now we're down to like 7,600 bucks or 7,500 bucks or something um, to get one of those crate engines shipped to you. Um, and as far as like, like if you're looking to, to stuff one in a Jeep Wrangler, for instance, say a 97, um, and you're wanting a full install kit that's kind of bolt in, uh, you're going to spend between 18 and 20,000 bucks on parts, right, for the engine and the installation kit and probably a transmission. It's pretty crazy. You could stuff some cash into these swaps really quickly. <laughs> but that's that's life, you know, and we, we tend to do that as dudes and uh, folks interested in this kind of stuff, you know. Well, for I know there's going to be a lot of questions or things I'm, I didn't think to ask you that someone listening out there is like, well, he didn't ask him about this particular part or how do you – how do you fit it in this or what do you do with this sure. particular part of the, the swap? What's a great way for anyone out there listening that wants to chat with you either about doing this or maybe they have questions about something else, you know, that, that you touched on for them to get in touch with you guys there. Well, we've got several ways of doing that, Patrick. Uh, you know, the website's dieselpros.com. Um, there is a, obviously a contact us page there. Our phone number, if anybody's interested in writing this down is uh, 406-551. 2777. And then, of course, on the social media side of the house, uh, we've got an Instagram at 406dieselpros and at DP Conversions. And then on Facebook, uh, we are facebook.com forward slash dieselpros. And we pay enough attention to those things. But if you have questions, uh, don't hesitate to get a hold of us that route. Well, it was fantastic catching up with you, Gary, and learning about your your shop truck and what you guys have been working on and tossing some conversion questions at you. And we appreciate your time and, and your expertise and what you guys got going on there. It's really cool for you know people in Montana or people passing through to be able to take advantage of the work you know that you guys do and the expertise that you have. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for the opportunity to talk to you about it. Don't forget diesel fans, make sure and head on over to the diesel podcast on YouTube. You can find all of our episodes there as well as extra bonus content with very visual topics of, you know, installs or diagnosis or truck shows or in-person interviews that some of our guests have had and check out the comment section. It's so, it's so cool. We love scrolling through and, and seeing the conversations and the questions that you guys ask if your truck's having a particular problem, you're looking for a solution. And we just happen to, you know, talk about it on that episode and the guests will jump on and they'll answer the question or, you know, other listeners that have been through the same thing can offer you some tips or, you know, give you direction on, on either, you know, your build or figuring out what may be wrong with your truck. So it's really cool to be able to, to head on over there and see the engagement from you guys, our listeners. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.